The Magi is a designation for a group of men who arrive in Jerusalem looking for a newly born king of the Jews. And they eventually find Jesus in Bethlehem where they pay homage to this king that they have found with special gifts, costly gifts. One of my favorite stories is the Christmas presentation that had the three boys that were involved. They were supposed to come to Jesus as the wise men, the magi, and they were supposed to present to him the gifts. So the first boy came up to the person that was representing Jesus, and he said, I bring to you gold, and he gave his gift. The second boy, he comes up to the person that represented Jesus, and he said, I bring to you myrrh. The third boy, he came up, and he said, here, Frank sent this. Somehow messed up frankincense. <laughs> Frank sent this. Frank sent this. The wise men, the magi. They appear, they're looking for the king of the Jews. And they were on a particular journey, these wise men, as we read in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, we read to verse number 12, but this story, actually, the narrative goes through verse number 18. This is the only narrative that is found about the Magi or the wise men who come to Israel looking for a newborn Jewish king. It's not found in the other Gospels. It's only found in Matthew. The text that we read, the narrative, tells us that they arrived from the east. And that's all that it says. Without revealing their exact point of origin, we don't know from which they came. They are coming looking for this Jewish king because they have observed an astronomical phenomenon, which is a star that appears before them, and they interpret this to be a divine symbol that a new Jewish king has been born. This is what begins their journey. They apparently have no idea where the child might be, and so they have come to the place where seemingly is the best place to come. If you're trying to come to find a new Jewish king, you come to Jerusalem. That would be a logical place. And their desire is they want to pay homage to this new king. They gain access to the court of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was ruling Palestine under Roman rule, and he was the current king of the Jews. It's fascinating, though, to know that Herod the Great was an Idumean and not a true Jew. There's also some political ramifications to that. Matthew's readers probably would have known that. Matthew makes it a point to say that Herod was Idumean, which means that Herod descended from Esau's descendants. He came from the Edomites, and he was born of a father that was Jewish, but his mother was Nabataean. Nabataean now inhabits a place that was in the southern part of Jordan. A very famous place is called Petra, which was 
the general geographical location of the Nabataeans. And so he was a half Jew. And so politically, he was able to fit as king of the Jews because he was not fully Jewish, but he was half Jew. And therefore, he paid a lot of allegiance to Roman rule. And so it was a nice political arrangement for King Herod. He's disturbed by these wise men and their quarry. And having known nothing about this newborn Jewish king, it alarms him. He sees this as a potential rival. And he had a great fear, uh, a suspicion, a long-standing and somewhat justified. Uh, he viewed this as a threat and control and manipulation. And so this worried him. And so he summoned the top priests and scholars and he gathered them together and he wanted to ask them to search the scriptures to find out the prophecies of where this newborn king might be since these wise men were looking for him. This reaction reveals that Herod also recognized that there would be a long-awaited Messiah. And so he was Jewish enough to know that the Old Testament has a lot of scriptures that talk about a Messiah that would come and that would reign and that would rule and, and would be the supreme ruler that people were longing for and, and desiring. King Herod recognized those scriptures and he also recognized this would be a direct threat to his own kingship. So the priests and the scholars tell Herod that the prophet Micah identifies nearby Bethlehem, which is about six miles south of Jerusalem as the Messiah's birthplace. They tell him this because they read from the book of Micah. Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2 is what they bring King Herod. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide for now. Shall he be great unto the ends of the earth? It was out of Bethlehem, Ephratah, that this prophecy comes forth. And so Herod meets again with the wise men, and he asks them, how long ago was it that they first observed the new star? This is information that he's going to use later, Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 16. And so he sends them to Bethlehem, and he asks them to let him know where the newborn king's location is, ostensibly so that he himself can offer homage. And so they make their way to this town of Bethlehem, the wise men. They're led by the same star that they observed in the beginning, except for now this star is moving and is low enough in the sky to stop at the specific location of the house where Jesus is located. The wise men entered into the house. They see the boy with his mother, and they fall down, and they worship the child. 
there's exceeding joy on their part, and they offer these valuable gifts. They have brought him gold, probably coins, but of great value. They have brought him frankincense, which is a precious resin from special trees that are burnt as incense. And they have brought him myrrh, which is another precious resin that is used as incense or as medicine. They return home without passing through Jerusalem because there is a, a prophecy that is spoken to them that they should not return the same way. God is instructing them to bypass King Herod's attempt to control and to manipulate. King Herod, when he hears of their departure, he becomes furious and he orders all male children under the age of two to be killed. This is found in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 16. This reaction and this age of two and below no doubt came to play in when he asked them when they first saw the star. And he measured based upon that a time frame of the time it would take them to get from wherever they're coming from in the east to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. And so two years and below, his reaction is a controlling, furious reaction. Who are these wise men? The scripture identifies them as the magi or the wise men. The origin of the Greek word magoi, magoi, is magic. But these wise men should not be considered magicians in a modern sense. They were not illusionists or they were not involved in the art of magic. The ancient Greek historian Herodotus used magi to describe a class of priests that were from the ancient Medes and Persians, later associated with something called Zoroastrianism. So they came from the Medes, the Persians, the Babylonian era or area. And so he's probably, Matthew is using this word in a general sense to talk about some learned court advisors of the Mesopotamia or Persians whose work involved reading and studying ancient and sacred texts as well as watching the movement of the planets and the stars that somehow might be interpreted as divine messages. It is very unlikely, it's not impossible, but it's very unlikely that these magi were Jews, but rather they were probably from Babylon. That makes sense because there was a large Jewish influence in Babylon when the children of Israel were carried off into captivity into Babylon. And so there was probably quite a connection with the Jewish community. Those who were Jewish teachers, they probably had some understanding of the scripture. They were sympathetic to the Jewish understanding of prophecy and fulfillment and how much effort and time they would put into those studies. And so they combined that with this stargazing to make an astounding discovery of the birth of the Jewish Messiah. And this excited them so much that they made an expedition to Jerusalem in hopes of finding the child that they believed to be the fulfillment of the prophecy, a newborn king in Jerusalem. 
and they make their journey there. So this would explain where they were coming from. This would explain, based on history, the kind of fields and occupation and study and also the connections to their Jewish counterparts. The Latin Vulgate transliterates the Greek Magoi into Latin letters, which is Magi, the Magi. Despite the Vulgate being used as the basis for his English translations in 1380, John Wycliffe and his associates rendered the word as astronomers in his translation based on the context of the story. The Greek has been translated into English as wise men since at least Tyndale in 1534. And so we have read that it was wise men coming, but there is magi connected to these wise men coming from different translations of the scripture. There's different misconceptions. Some of them are, are popular misconceptions about the magi coming to find the Jewish king. And there have been legendary details added to some of these stories that are not supported by the text in Matthew. Matthew is the earliest tradition narrative that is available to us, and we have read it here tonight. Some of these misconceptions that are fascinating is Matthew refers to the wise men in the plural, but he doesn't specify how many there are. But in popular tradition, you usually see three, maybe because there are three gifts that are mentioned. They connect three men to the three gifts. But Matthew doesn't say there are three. He just says the wise men, which is a plurality of individuals. And in some cases, there are as many as 12 that are noted. So a misconception is in the number of the magi that come. The names. Popular tradition has given them names. There is nothing in the oldest narrative that tells us their names, but some traditions name them Melchior, Casper, and Balthazar. There's nothing in Matthew that would explain that. In some traditions, they are, they are coming as kings instead of wise men. Matthew does not say this. They do have access to King Herod's court, which means there is some elevation of their notoriety and their ability in terms of their office, but nothing describes them as being kings. One misconception is the idea of following the star. There's pictures of three lavishly dressed men on camels going through what looks like a desert, making their way toward a particular star, following that star at night, and yet this is probably not correct. That would be a lengthy journey from Babylon, and it would take several weeks, and the wise men likely would have pursued a northern route rather than trying to go through the Arabian desert. And they probably would have traveled with an entourage if the wise men represented a plurality of individuals. The star that we read in the narrative only guides them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. They see a star and they make their way toward it, but it's just toward Jerusalem. Once they get to Jerusalem and they study the prophecy and those 
scriptorians come back from King Herod and they bring Micah, the star directs them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem and they end up at a house. This is also another major misconception. A lot of traditions try to harmonize the shepherds in the book of Luke coming to the manger and the wise men arriving at the manger shortly after the shepherds. But these two accounts don't overlap. Matthew says that when they arrive, they arrive not at a manger, they arrive at a house. I want to look at Luke's story because it concludes with the shepherds finding the baby Jesus lying in a manger. In Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1, this is another rendition of this story. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. Chapter 2 and verse number 12. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen that was told unto them. And so you get these narrative accounts of Matthew, which have the Magi, and you also get the account of Luke, which talks about the shepherds that are coming 
And so in these accounts, we recognize and understand that there is not a direct overlap. The shepherds came to the manger because they were led there. The magi come later, which means that Jesus would have been older. This is why they're coming to a house. This is why Herod kills all the children ages two and below because Jesus was older and he was trying to eradicate a certain time frame to eliminate all possible influence that would be a direct competition to his rulership. And so the Magi, they're following the star and they arrive at the place and they pay homage to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. They recognize it and they see it. There's a sense of recognition. It is not a star as they're gazing in the sky that gets lost among the galaxies, but they see something that is significant. It's kind of like those 3D pictures. Some people can quickly see them, and some people, it seems like, will never see them, me being one included in that group. Seems like I could never see what other people were seeing. But these wise men, they were seeing what other people didn't see. And it led them on a journey to say and to recognize there's a star that is separated from everything else. And so we're going to make preparations. We're going to make a journey. And tonight in the house of God, I want to tell you our journey should be the same. Understanding and recognition that there are a lot of stars in the world. But there is a greater star that soon supersedes everything else. When they came to speak to Herod the Great, they didn't come to see Herod the Great. They didn't come to see that individual that is well known for all of his engineering and all the accomplishments in terms of building and, and all the stuff that he would, would do and accomplish. They didn't come for that. They were coming to see the king of the Jews and they had enough understanding in the scripture and enough prophecy into the scripture and enough sensitivity to to say there is something significant about the star that we're seeing in the sky. It's different than all the other stars. It supersedes all the other stars. It's sovereign above all the other stars. This is still the same journey that you and I and the church around the world should be taking. There's a lot of stars and a lot of stuff in the skies, but there is nothing greater than the King of Kings and his star, and that's what we're following, and that's what we're seeking. We're still seeking and we're still on that journey. What are we on? We're on a journey. Isaiah said there is going to come one, his child, that child will be born. And unto us a son is given. And then he went on to say the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I'm still making a move toward that star. I want to find him. I want to seek him. I want to know him. There's a lot of competitions in the world, but there's nothing greater than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
He's the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. I'm thankful to know that that which was birthed in a manger was not just another child, but it was God manifested in the flesh, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. I want to be included in the wise men today to say I'm still searching for the star. That's what separated them from just men. They were wise men. What separates you in this world from just anybody else? It's you've got your eye on something that everybody else does not see, cannot understand, but we're following after that star that makes each and every one of us a person that is wise. Why? Your salvation is at stake based on the trajectory and the journey that you're following. Praise God, I'm following that star. I want to be a part of the wise men. Call me a member of the Magi, if you will. I'm not serving the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians, but I'm serving the King of Kings in the kingdom of God. And so I want to follow his star and his direction. Second Peter, Peter had the opportunity of being included in this work of God. And in chapter 1 and verse 16, he said, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. You know what's in my heart? The day star. I'm still following the day star because I recognize he supersedes anything else that is in the sky. He's worthy to be praised and he's worthy to be magnified. I'm on a journey here. While I have breath to breathe, I'm following the day star. I'm not following any star. I'm following the day star star. Include me in the magi. Include me in the wise men and women that recognize there's a lot of stars in the world, but there's nothing like the Savior that gave his life for you and me, which gives to us an opportunity in this place here today because of his birth to lift our hands and say, thanks be to God that gives us the victory. We're not here with a judgment against us because there's a righteous judge that has given his very life to us. Praise God, include me in that group and in that number. Praise God, I'm willing to travel for truth. I'm willing to take a journey. Where are you going? Abraham said, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm following something. I'm following the promise of God, and I'm going to walk by faith. Praise God. He didn't know where he was going, but he was following the voice of God. The Magi, where are you going? We're following a star. We've been looking in the scriptures, and somehow there's a connection. There's a king there, and we're going to follow after him. I want to do whatever it takes to travel for truth. If I've got to travel out of an old past and an old experience if God got to travel out of dysfunction I want to saddle up the camels I want to say I'm moving from that and I'm following after something that is valuable 
Praise God. I'm willing to meet with kings. And I'm not ashamed, nor am I afraid to step into the king's palace and say, I'm on a journey and I'm not looking for you, but I'm looking for the king of kings and lord of lords. Herod got real nervous. Wait a minute. There's some competition. Oh, you better bet there's some competition. There is no king as great as this king. We've been following a star. We've been searching. We've been coming from the east, but we're coming to something that is valuable. Praise God, the Hebrew children standing in the palace of the king said, we are not careful of how we answer. He will deliver us, and if he doesn't, he's still going to be faithful to us. We will not bow to the image. I'm not bowing to the other constellations in the galaxies, but I am bowing. I am bowing to the king of kings and lord of lords. I want to be willing to be sensitive to the movement of the star from the moment they got to Jerusalem to the moment they got to the house in Bethlehem. The star moved and they followed it. It takes a wise man, it takes a wise woman to follow the sensitivity of the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament gave to us a great picture. Wherever the cloud moved, that's where they went. If it started to move, you packed everything up and you followed after it. It had to do with being sensitive to what God was saying, what God was these magi recognized we gotta we gotta be on the right path we gotta be sensitive to where god is going and what he's doing and when they arrived at the house the scripture said there was exceeding joy not just joy but exceeding joy i found him when you're sensitive to the holy ghost and when god is moving and he directs you and you find him in that decision that you make when you find him in that that moment where god is directing you and you recognize God is here. There is great, great joy that should spring forth. I'm not out alone somewhere on a journey. I don't know where I'm going or, or what I'm doing, but I've arrived here at the house. And he's in the house. Praise God, because I've been pursuing him. I want to be willing to listen to the voice of God. Don't go back through Jerusalem. Herod's, he's playing a game here. He wants to control go back through Jerusalem they listen to the prophecy they go back through Jerusalem they follow the voice of God I want to be willing to follow the voice of God include me somehow if you will you can be part of the wise men and women the magi that are willing to listen to the voice of God he's got a lot of stars in the constellation a lot of voices in our world but there is a, a voice that should direct us and guide us I want to be willing to worship with gifts. Let me bring my gifts. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have gold. I don't have Frank sent this, and I don't have myrrh either. But what I do have, I've got a gift of worship I can give him. Ha! I pursued the star, I found the house. And when I got there, I didn't fold my arms and say, well, I don't really have anything to give you. But I can say, I'm bringing you a gift of praise. I'm bringing you a gift of worship. I'm bringing you the gift of my talent and my ability. I'm bringing you the gift of faith when everybody else doubts and is in unbelief. I'm going to bring a gift to you. I'm going to respond to you. Include me in that number.
soothe the star that's set before us. Peter said it's the morning star in your hearts. Amen. The world's worshiping a lot of things and celebrating a lot of things today and tomorrow. Praise God. We, we've come tonight, as we stand together, we've come tonight to celebrate the real reason for the season. And that is a Jewish king that was in fact born in Bethlehem. Praise God. It became pronounced and known, and Matthew put it in his gospel. The only one that wrote the story about the Magi coming from the east. But he put it in there to give to us an example of how we should also be seeking the ability in the Lord, the King of Kings. And when we find him, hallelujah, that we should be willing to bring him gifts. Praise God. We're in the house of God tonight. We came, we showed up. What gift did you bring him here tonight? Praise God. What do you have to offer him here tonight? I'm not talking about putting something in a box with a bow and putting paper on it and tape and everything. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But what gift did you bring in the house of God tonight? Praise God. Brother David, you're lifting up your hands. What, do you, what, 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 what gift did you bring him? You, you came to bring him praise <laughs> and adoration. Praise God for all the things that he has richly, richly done. Amen. With uplifted hands, let's give him the, the gift of the fruit of our lips and thanksgiving to his name. Lord, I thank you and praise you. Hallelujah. I worship you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are clothed in majesty, humble beginnings. Praise God. But we recognize your power and your ability, Lord. 